One of the most overlooked items when it comes to closing deals and making sales happen is how you build trust with your buyers and clients and what you do before, during, and after the sale is made. Every single message you deliver is really a sales call. Either you are selling or being sold. Salespeople love to brag about their skills. And the truth is, your success in closing sales depends on your skills, your abilities, and finding the right training. And the great news is, you have come to the right place here at The How to Sell Show with your hosts, Dale Bell and Scott Sylvanbell. And be sure to join the party at howtosell.live and download your copy of The 10 Common Mistakes Salespeople Make. Aloha from Sacramento, California. Today, today's a good day. Today, we're going to talk about trust and sales. And, you know, when you talk to buyers and you really dig into what their problems are and some of their objections, a lot of it comes down to is there's so many different people, so many different pieces of advice. Everybody's saying they're the best. Everybody's telling me they're going to do a good job. Everybody tells me everything's going to be fantastic. Everybody tells me that they're the pro. Everybody tells me that they're the expert. Like, at the end of the day, who is it that I can trust? And you know, the thing is, is this conversation may feel a lot like sales basic mastery because it is, but the thing that I see and it, it, it just, it surprises me is how often that this element of, of sales just isn't talked about. It's like, Hey, let's talk about techniques and let's talk about strategies. And I was going through my list of episodes to record and I'm like, Oh my goodness, I've recorded almost a hundred episodes of the how to sell show. And I haven't done an episode on trust. It's definitely one of those things where uh, I'm going to give you some sales basics content, but you know, it's good for you to go back and take a look at it. if you're brand new, it's good to pay attention and listen to. If you want to have a long-term sales career, this is important because as time goes on, what's happening is you're leaving digital footprint. You're leaving digital fingerprints on everything you do. And people are going to be able to look and see like, Hey, this is what this salesperson did. And this is where they worked. And what you don't want is you don't want a negative piece of information out there for you want, you want to do the right thing for your buyer, for your client. So I put together a list of 12 different things for you that'll help you build trust in your process. And so one of them is going to be online content. And, you know, uh, this means that you could have frequently asked questions, buyer's guides, videos. When I take a look at where the internet is today and how easy it is for you to get video out there, the coolest thing for you to build rapport is to have a video with you talking for about two to five minutes about a product, about a service, about a widget, about a gizmo. And the cool thing for you is that buyer gets to see your face. That buyer gets to hear your vocal inflections and your pitch and your tone. And so when you meet them the first time, you may be meeting them for the first time, but they're meeting you for the second, third, or fourth time. And they've seen your content. They've seen your goods. They've seen that you've got stuff out there and that you're a pro and you're not a Joe and you're not you're, you're just not some random person off the street. They're like, they feel like they've known you, especially if you put a little bit of personal information in there. I'm going to let you in on a secret. My business card that I use is about the size of a four by six index card. It's a postcard. And on one side, it's a picture of plumeria flowers that I took out in Oahu or on Oahu. And they're probably the nicest plumerias I've ever seen in my life. And it's got my name and my email address and my phone number. But on the back, it's got a recipe. And it's a pattern interrupt. And it's like, and it's for salmon. 
And the reason I did salmon is because there's a lot of cultures out there that don't eat other uh, animals. They don't eat beef. They don't eat chicken. But there's a lot of cultures out there, and a huge proportion of them can eat fish. And so I put a lot of thought into this. And so for me to help build some rapport and to build some trust, it's like, here, let me give you a gift. And there's a huge story that goes along with this uh, this salmon recipe. It's my world-famous salmon recipe. And a top cook tried to buy it from me, and the guy was a jerk, and I wouldn't give it to him. Long story short for you, there there's something that's there for them. I'm giving them something of value up front. Whether the person does business with me or not, they're still going to hold on to my business card because it's made on good card stock. And so like that first impression of you really does matter. So that's just going to roll into part number two. Part number two, be on time for appointments. I helped my mom out significantly after my father's passing to help her run one of her companies. It's amazing. It is amazing of how many sales reps are late. And then when they're late, they got to tell the story about why they're late. And then their presentation isn't ready or their presentation isn't very nice. You know, they're, they're winging it. <laughs> oh my goodness. I don't have time for these games. I've got a million things going on. I like, there's only a few days a week or a few times during the month that I might be able to meet with somebody and you're blowing it. Come on. This brings us to number three, pay attention to what you say in appointments. Now your own personal decisions here may vary. I'm going to give you my example and you can modify accordingly. You could choose your own path, but I'm just going to say from here, from the beginning, I don't use a lot of cursing in my sales processes. I don't use a lot of cursing with my clients, even if they do curse, because I don't, I don't know who I'm around. I don't know what impression I'm going to give. Now, I know that in today's society, it's very common for people to use all the colorful language that they want. This is just my choice. So I'm not telling you that you have to do this. I'm just saying this would be one of my recommendations. You could get away with saying whatever you want. You can get away with acting whatever way that you want with whatever buyer that you, you, you meet with. Uh, but I will let you know that I have closed quite a few extra deals because people pull me aside and they say, hey, look, Scott, you know, I met with a salesperson and the guy that came out here or the girl that came out here used all sorts of foul language and you didn't. And there were people and there are people who've pulled me aside and said, hey, you know, you could have cursed and said all these words with me. And I just said, look, I choose not to. You know, I want to be the same person for you that I am around everybody else. Now, don't get me wrong. I have my moments. I'm not saying I'm perfect. It's just one way to do it. Now, everybody's a little bit different. I may lose you here. That's cool. But at least go through the rest of the list and say, hey, what else could be done at this point? Example number four. The way that you explain things really matters. The terminology that you use. Those things all come up. One of the things that I see as a huge struggle when it comes to sales and making deals is the sales process where salespeople will make bigger claims than what they can they can accomplish. And they'll go to a sales class and they'll hear a guru say, well, you know, you push the limits as far as you can. You say what needs to be said in order to close the deal. And what happens is when that product or service is delivered, it can't fulfill what's being done because the salesperson oversold it. And so it leads to a complaint. And this, this happens in just about every industry that I work in. It happens everywhere that I go. Like, for whatever reason, salespeople think that they need to overhype the sales process to close the deal to make the deal happen, but they don't realize at some point they're going to get caught. What happens is that buyer becomes jaded because now you're like every other salesperson. And so I'll let you know that in my sales presentations, when I'm talking to a client or a potential client, I'm like, I don't make promises that I can't keep. So I had somebody recently ask me to do something for them. And I told them, I don't specialize in that. That's not my specialty. If, if I can't make a promise that I can't keep, I'm not going to do it. 
And the person says, well, we really want you to fulfill this. And I said, I'll do it as a beta program. And I'll let you know from the very beginning, this isn't my expertise. This isn't the thing that I, I excel at the most. And I want to be very clear on the very beginning that this is a beta program because you're asking me to do something outside of my norm. And they accepted it. And I'm cool with that because I was very upfront of saying, look, here's what your deliverables are going to be. And this isn't going to be to the same standard that I normally do stuff. I'm going to, I'm going to do everything I can to swing for the fences. I'm going to do everything I can to make this work the right way. But it's not something that I do every single day. And they said, this is why we want you to do it. Number five on the list. When you do sell something, deliver what you promise. Do clean work. Do clean services. Do clean installs. And sometimes I'll see what people deliver to me for purchases. And I'm like, hey, look, it feels like you just threw this together at the last moment. Like this wasn't important to you. And how you put stuff together like this, it's just, it's not going to work out. I've got a lot of concerns. I've got some problems. I've got some issues. And if they don't correct it, then it just tells me that that's the wrong person for a long-term relationship. Six, tell the truth, even if it hurts. Uh, I remember that I was put in a lot of weird instances when I ran a sales team where things would go sideways and I would tell the people, I'd say, Hey, look, you know, I could sugarcoat this all, you know, from here till next week, but here's what happened. Uh, a salesperson screwed up. B installer screwed up. C I screwed up. What do we got to do to fix it? And the, what people do and what people see when, when you say, Hey, look, I'm going to be upfront with you. This is what happened. This is what, this is what went down. This is what you need to know. These are the problems that were created. These are the issues that we had. Like, I want to fix it for you and I want to take care of it. You just got to tell me what you want. And, you know, a lot of times people say, well, you know, you got to protect your back end. You got to say this, you got to say that. And I've always found that, Hey, I don't have to worry about anything going sideways. If I tell you exactly what happened and I would have people come back and go, you know, you probably could have made something up better and you didn't have to tell me what the truth was. And I said, Hey, look, you know, I don't ever want to get caught in a problem where I got to worry about you telling me you weren't being truthful with me. If I tell you something happened, it's because that's what really happened. And one of the things that I found in being in sales is usually when stuff goes sideways, it goes really sideways. And if you really want somebody to be on board with you to deal through the problems, you tell them the truth. You tell them what happened. Seven, be on time for delivering services. And what you're going to find is if you have a deliverable that needs to be put out, so like in the world of copywriting, someone will say, this has got to be done by the fifth of the month. Um, in the world of business, someone will say, I need this project done by the 20th of the month. You got to be on time. You got to, <laughs> you have to do what you said that you're going to do. You're going to be on time. You're going to be there. Hey, I'm going to be there at seven o'clock in the morning. You know, I was supposed to speak at an event and I completely got my calendar confused. And it was a Friday that the event was on. And I got a text message from Thursday and the people were like, hey, we're just confirming that you're going to be here tomorrow. And I'm looking I'm like, I'm not supposed to be there tomorrow. And I look at my calendar. I'm like, oh my goodness, I am supposed to be there tomorrow. I had to jump on a flight, made a promise. I couldn't back out. Like, you know, they didn't want to hear excuses. They, they had already booked venues. There was already people there. There was already uh, things happening. And for me to book out, I mean, to, to peel off and say, I can't do it. Man, like that would leave a mark on me in an industry that I wouldn't be able to, to uh, recover from very easily. Eight, use good products or services. And, you know, in, in the world of uh, construction, there's only two inputs. There's materials and labor. That's it. 
And if you're going to cut back, you're either going to cut back on materials or you're going to cut back on labor. In your industry, depending upon what it is, there's probably two, three, maybe four inputs. And for everything that you cut back on an input, you're going to cause a problem for the future. And I would much rather explain the investment to a buyer about why I was more for a product or service and have to apologize for poor quality. And I, I would let people know, hey, look, I don't, there, there's companies out there that are more, there's companies out there that are less, but I don't ever worry about quality. Things are going to get done. They're going to get done right. They're going to get taken care of. You can use that word track. You can modify it accordingly. You can make whatever changes that you want. Nine, check in after the sale is made. So many times salespeople will make the sale, they celebrate the sale, and then they don't check in. Well, if you're checking in, it's time, it's, you know, you can build white papers, you can get testimonials, you can get referrals, you can find out about problems before they happen, you could take care of a problem before it gets bigger. You know, uh, I, I always look at a problem like this. If it's a $10,000 product, a problem today is going to cost me 100 bucks. If I push it out a week to fix it, it's going to cost me $1,000. If I push it out a month, it's going to cost me $2,500. The longer that you push out a problem from being fixed or being repaired, the more it's going to cost you. You're better to take care of something right up front as soon as possible. 10. Own up to your mistakes. If you screwed up, apologize. This is going to go right along with telling the truth. But, you know, there's times where you make mistakes after delivery. There's times where you think that you did something right, completely screwed up completely screwed up. I've done this. Everything on this list I've made a mistake with. 11. If there is a problem, fix it and fix it quickly, but fix it right. Most buyers understand if there's one mistake made. You know, uh, one of the trainings that I do when I meet with companies is I talk about what it's going to cost to fix something the longer that you wait. And I give an example and I say, how upset would you be if something happens the day after an install and people are like, well, you know, I'd be disappointed. And I say, okay, now what happens if you keep pushing that back and you don't get the person taken care of and there's problem after problem after problem? You know, after two or three incidents, people are like, I'd be pissed. I'd say, just take it back. Get rid of it. Number 12. Number 12 is going to be a little bit different. And number 12 is be gracious when you lose. And you don't always connect with the buyer. A sale doesn't always happen. And I was writing with a salesperson and this guy was selling a product. I was riding with a salesperson and they were selling a product that was a repeat purchase. It wasn't a one-time, one-and-done situation. There was a lot of weird intricacies that went along with this purchase. So the buyer got a hold of the salesperson and said, I want to let you know I had to go a different route for this purchase only. I really want to use you in the future. But for this one, there's some very stringent specifications and I can't use your product. And the salesperson freaked out, screaming, yelling, angry, upset, and totally blew up the deal for, for the rest of the future. So I'm going to go back and, and say, you got to fast forward like nine months. I'm writing with another salesperson from this company and they're telling me about this deal that was blown and they can't ever go back to this company. Like they, they can't go back and say, hey, we want to work with you because the sales guy that no longer works for the company made this buyer so mad they can't even get their foot back in the door. So being gracious when you lose is one way to build trust because people want to see what you're like when you, when you lose a deal. One of the most overlooked items when it comes to closing deals and making sales happen is how you build trust with your buyers and clients and what you do before, during, and after the sale is made. 
Thanks for checking out this episode of the How to Sell Show. You can join the party at howtosell.live to get the show notes, links, updates on new episodes, recordings of previous episodes, articles, as well as videos. You may not know this sales secret, but sharing this episode with a friend will bring you good luck. See you soon. Mahalo.